the school is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. Hello and welcome. This is the Hi Kids, for Kids, Bar Kids. My name is Jacob Gordon and I'm 12 years old. Coming up on Hi Kids today, I'll be talking to Melissa Hoffman, a senior wildlife officer at the O.R. Tambo International Airport. I will have the Hi Kids riddle to challenge your thinking. And here are the details. If you have any questions for my guest or for me or anything like that, if you want to say ha, say bye, anything, really, the SMS number is 34519 and charged at 150. Or you can send me a WhatsApp for absolutely free on 061-895-1019. And please sign your name so I can give you a free shout-out on air. You can also call us on 010-140-3020. Get ready for an interesting show on Car Kids today. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 High FM. That song was Do You Believe in Magic from The Little Mermaid. This is the Hi Kids, for Kids and Bar Kids. My name is Jacob Gordon and I'm 12 years old. Now listen up. If you're between the ages of 9 and 11 years old, if you're well-spoken, confident, curious about the world we live in, and if you have one afternoon free a week, we would love to meet you. Hi FM wants to meet and train Hi Kids for radio. If you want to meet us, it's so easy. Just send us an email at kids to kids at hivm.com. Ha kids, four kids, ba kids. And now it's time for the riddle. Here it is. Okay, let's have a drum roll. Drum roll. The riddle is I'm made for one, but meant for two. I can be worn for many years, but usually just a few. You won't ever need me unless you say you do. What am I? If you know the answer, then send me an SMS on 34519 or WhatsApp us on 061-895-1019 with your name and the correct answer. And you could win a beautiful creature's book. Okay? Uh, if you're the first one to get the right answer. But remember, you have to give others a chance to win. If, you're the, if you've won on Chai FM in the last 90 days, you can still enter the For the Riddle, but you won't be able to win the book. Today, I have Melissa... Hoffman, a senior wildlife officer at the OR Tambo International Airport in studio with me. If you have any questions for her, you can send them in on an SMS on 34519 or you can WhatsApp me on 061-895-1019. I would just love to hear your questions. Call us also is, you can also call on 010-140-3020. So let's get straight down to the interview. How are you? Hi, good afternoon. Welcome. Uh, thank you so much for this opportunity to come and discuss the bird strike avoidance program with well, you. Well, um, I'm glad as long as you enjoy it. Thank you. Okay. Before discussing the bird strike advance program um, at Oratamba that you involved, uh, let's find out, can we go a little bit personal, like where you grew up and what made you interested in this type of stuff? Oh, absolutely. So I grew up in Johannesburg and um, I've always had a keen, I love animals and love nature. So when I was studying at school, I always realized, no, I want to be a nature conservationist. So when I ended my matric year, I went to Eunice and I started um, to study nature conservation. Uh, so what subjects do you have to take? So maths and science and biology were one of the strong subjects. And then when we did nature conservation, we did conservation studies, research management, plant studies, animal studies, and it carried on and on and on. Uh, that's a lot of studies. How long did you have to study all that? So I studied part-time and um, I completed my diploma within six years. Yeah. <laughs> 
When did you decide that you wanted to become this? Well, so I wanted to become a nature conservationist. And then um, what happened was I needed experiential training with my studies. So, of course, I was looking for jobs in the, the sector of nature conservation. And there was an advertisement coming up about chasing birds off a runway at Durban International Airport. So being the adventurous person, I decided, no, this is a great opportunity to try this out. And to the horror, I got the job and I moved down to Durban, not knowing whether I would be running after the birds. And then to find out that it would be, involve a working dog. Is your interest only birds or wildlife in general? I love all wildlife. But your favorite is birds? Well, I love the furry animals and that. So birds and animals and anything that lives. So you don't have a favorite? Not really, no. Can you please explain exactly what bird strikes are? So bird strike is when an aircraft and a bird collide. So we have air, aircraft and birds inhabiting the same territories. And, of course, when we have lots of air, aircraft coming in and departing, it's inevitable that there's going to be a bird strike with an aircraft. Okay, so now I'm just going back a little bit. You said that you chase birds off a runway. But I'm actually surprised that there's birds there. I mean, doesn't the plane engine scare them away? So you would think that. But look at the area. If you look at our Tambo International Airport, it's such an open area, the airfield itself. And then all around that airport, it's so um, in developed, you know, with lots of houses and that. So the birds find it as a safe environment to come in and perhaps breed and feed because there's a lot of open area. Have you ever had, like, where there's, like, an aircraft that you've ever used and, like, or don't really use and then, like, a bird made a nest inside? Absolutely. We've had, um, sometimes we do, um, fine rescue stimulator training. So we'll set an aircraft on fire that's not in use. And then the fire guys will go in and, and, you know, extinguish the, the aircraft to practice. And there's times if there's a bird nest in that aircraft, then we'll go and remove the bird to safety and send it for rehabilitation and release elsewhere in a safer environment. Okay. Do the birds get scared of you though? Or do they know that you're going to help? So, um, I have a working dog that assists me because, um, we've tried before as, as humans to go and try and chase the birds ourselves. We've had hardy dogs that have been stubborn and my colleague has made it a joke and you go run out and you chase the birds and they don't react. So what we use um, are working dogs that will go and chase the birds and act as predators on airfield. So what's... What sort of dogs do you use? So we've got border collies and we've got springer spaniels at the airport. So our border collies, they look, they use more of a direct approach with chasing birds. And the springer spaniels are flushing breeds because at Oratamba, we've got helmeted guinea fowl that like the tall grass and that. And the working dogs, the, especially the springer spaniels, go in and quarter back and forth and, and disturb the birds and move them to safer areas. Do do the like do the dogs ever like hurt the birds because they like pick them up or just chase them away? Their their reward is to see the bird um chase being chased away, you know. So they they don't want to catch the birds or or anything like that. So their their reward is to see that bird fly away. If we have had one of the springer spaniels retrieving a young bird, we merely just release it back into the environment, and then it's even more cautious of the dogs. Okay, and then what happens like if if you in, if there's a bird that's injured, what do you do with it? So if there's an injured bird that's um, who resulted with a bird strike with an aircraft, we'll do everything to save that bird. So we'll take it to the Wildlife Veterinary Hospital or a vet that's located in Edenvale that will go and give immediate attention to that bird and then we'll go and release it into a safe environment. So what sort of birds do you usually work with at the airport? So there's a lot of ground species the dogs work well on and that's the black-headed herons and the hardy-dog ibises. You've got the Egyptian geese, um, spur-wing geese, so lapwings, which are the blacksmith crown lapwings. Such a variety of birds And then we've got our aerial birds Like our, our swifts and swallows And also our raptors coming in 
Uh, just speaking about swallows, I think there might be a book that you'd enjoy if you like reading. Oh, really? What, um, what is that? Well, I just read a book. It's called Dear Ollie. I actually read it for a school reader. Okay. And it's got quite a bit about swallows and how they like fly and the migration and all that type of thing. Oh, wonderful. We're always looking at, at, at things to, you know, understand the birds. Only if you understand their natures and their behaviors, then can we really try and assist in moving them to safe okay. places. So why is it so important to have this program especially de dedicated to avoiding? So, so, you know, there's a lot of air traffic movements and it's increased over the years. And we know that, you know, there's birds in the environment. So it's AXA's responsibility to ensure a safe environment, both for the aircraft and for passengers and for the birds and, and to ensure that the environment is also kept healthy. Okay, so what is the ACSA? So the ACSA is Airports Company of Southern Africa, and that's the company that I'm employed with to to do the program with regards to bird strike management. So why would the ACSA decide to join up with the EWT, Endangered Wildlife Trust? Right, so at the very beginning, but when tra traffic movements weren't that great, and then when we had staff that actually identified that there's a risk of birds and aircraft having the same territories, we decided we need to manage this environment. So at that time, there wasn't any dedicated staff knowing about environmental impacts. So we joined forces with the Endangered Wildlife Trust that, that knew about birds and how to maybe alter the habitat to prevent bird strikes. So we joined forces with them, and they gave us an indication. Um, there was Albert Froneman at the time, who who was um, also my mentor for my studies in my nature conservation, who then came, devised a plan for each airport and how best to manage the habitat to reduce birds from being present on the airfield. Okay, so can you explain uh, why you said that you started out in Europe and what made you decide to come out to OR? So um, I moved down to Durban. I loved my job down in Durban. But then there was a vacancy at, at OR Tambo. And um, the, the program was fairly new at OR Tambo. And they needed somebody with experience to come and bring a working dog and work and change the environment to make sure that it was a great success. Okay. And then also, um, what sort of uh, birds are most likely, do you most commonly found? Okay, so we've got our lapwings that are present on the airfield that the dogs continuously harass. And then you've got the birds coming in in different seasons, like the hardy dog ibises that come in and the black-headed herons that like to visit the environment. But they're all fairly well, easily controlled with the working dog. So we've got, uh, we've got a hundred and about a hundred and, I stand to be correct, about 143 bird species present on that airfield. Well, okay, but throughout the year, are there any like all year rounders? So all year rounders would be your black-headed herons, your hardy dog ibises and your um, lapwings. Then we got the step buzzards that come in, the jackal buzzards that are migratory species, okay. yellow-bill kites and, and all that. So we've got a, a, a variety all year round. When did the bird strike avoidance program start at OR Tambo? So it was implemented in 2001 where we analyzed the environment. And in between 2001 and 2002, we implemented our first working dogs with dedicated handlers for those working dogs. And were you involved right from the beginning? So I then came on board in 2003 when they had established that um, the, the working dog program stemmed from a project that was um, started in America. And we had Nick Carter coming out to discuss, you know, the use of working dogs on an airfield. And um, he proposed a, pr a project to us, and we decided, why can't our local um, dog trainers train a dog up for this specific job? And so we did that, and we instated wildlife officers, and I was employed with the, the third working dog at the airport. Okay, so what is the most important requirement 
that has to be studied, recorded and analysed if a program of this nature is to be in of any real benefit. So you have to know about your bird species and you've got to predict trends. So you've got to know when there's likelihood that we're going to have a problem with birds on the airfield. So every Friday we have members of the East Rand Bird Club that come in and help us count all the birds in different species. Then we do graphs that we can analyze trends with and see what's happening with the, the populations and bird strikes that happen. Every bird strike that happens, we analyze, we, we record all the information and monthly we, we look at the, the statistics and we can try and see what's going on and then try and mitigate, well, try and, you know, solve the problem. So, okay, so you have bird strike things, but then you have the similar organizations for land animals to keep them away from roads. So, um, so we've got African scrub hares also on the airfield. But we also have jackal that's present at our Tambo that naturally controls the population. So there's so many environmental factors for land animals that need to be taken, you know, considered. We've also got daika on the airfield. But um, like a daika, it's nocturnal. It stays in the wooded area. So it's not a problem for aircraft. So we, we look at the animals present. And if they, we perceive that there's a risk, for example, a stray dog coming in, doesn't know the environment, could run in front of an aircraft. We'll trap that animal and relocate it. But the animals that we know have defined, like specific areas that they'll stay in, the jackals that are airport wise, we'll keep them and maintain them in their, their environment. Okay. So then how do you think, um, the aircraft most affect the nature in itself? So the aircraft, so I would say, you know, the aircraft, they take, um, they take off in the direction of the wind and so do birds. So for instance, if there's a bird on the airfield and he wants to take off, he normally flies with the aircraft in the direction of the wind and that, that causes them not to hear the aircraft behind them. So that can cause strikes with, with the aircraft. So the birds also use the thermals, so it's the air movements on the runway to, to basically circle the areas and look for food and that's so, the, the environment influences the birds. So, for instance, you know, there's lights on the aprons at nighttime where the aircraft park, and then that attracts moths and insects. And, of course, it's a food source for the animals or the bird species. And then they come in and they feed. So it's, it's, there's a lot of factors that will contribute to adding animals into that environment. So do you work, like, 24-7? Because there's obviously flights, like, throughout the day and night. That's correct, yes. So what we do, our peak periods are early morning. So the birds, you know, the early uh, the early bird catches the first worm, they're out first thing. So we ensure that we commence our bird patrols from half past five in the morning where aircraft are starting, internationals are starting to come in, domestics are starting to depart. And then we're out there. And then we've got we've got a few, we've got um, six um, wildlife control officers at OR Tambo and we work from 5.30 in the morning till 10 in the evening. Right. And uh, what are environmental control agents? So, you, so if you look at the environment, then you're going to try and manage that environment to, so that the birds don't like to be there. For instance, tall grass management versus short grass management. So do you allow the airfield to grow tall or do you allow the grass to, you know, remain short and have specific birds coming in? So what you need to do is you need to understand what is your biggest threat on that airfield. And then you're going to manage that threat according to that bird species. And if they don't like short grass, you allow the tall grass to come in certain areas. You don't allow standing water. You make sure refuse facilities and skips are covered so that there's no easy food access and things like that. Okay. Um, I just want to remind everyone that our riddle today was, I made for one, but meant for two. I can be worn for many years, but usually just a few.
You won't ever need me unless you say you do. What am I? If you know the answer, then you can send me an SMS on 34519 or WhatsApp me on 061-895-1019 and with your name and the answer, and you could win a beautiful creature book if you're the first one to get the right answer. Right, so now I think it's time for a song break, and we'll be back right now. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 High FM. For kids and bar kids, and that last song you heard was "Time of Your Life" from Toy Story. And now I just want to remind you all that we have um, Melissa Hoffman in studio with me. She is from the National Birdstock Association from Oa Tambo. Is that right? We the Birdstock Avoidance Program Oa okay. Tambo, but all same thing. <laughs> okay. And uh, I just want to give you our SMS line and WhatsApp if you have any questions for her. So our SMS line is 34519 and our WhatsApp is 061-895-1019. Or you can call us if you want to on 010-140-3020. So let's get back to the interview. Uh, where were we? Do you remember our last question? Right. So that's a good question. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's fine. Um, we'll just carry on. Okay. Uh, what... Do you do if, like, say a bird dies? Do you bury its remains or what do you do with them? How okay. do you dispose of them? So um, we want to make sure that it goes back to science, you know, a bird strike, because it's lost its life. We want to ensure that people benefit. There's a benefit from it because it is a tragedy. So if there's a bird that gets struck on the runway and that um, is dead, we'll take it through to the um, the zoological gardens in Pretoria, and they will do an DNA analysis on it. So they are increasing their database on, um, you know, specific how DNA of, in the blood of an animal can identify another animal of the same species. And then what we also do, um, once the DNA processing has been done, then the, the carcasses actually go to feed animals that are that are being rehabilitated in hospital, wildlife hospitals. Okay, so I just have one more question. Uh, well, not one more. I've just got a question that I just came up with. Um, so I've actually once had to save a bit. I mean, I found one that fell out of a tree. Um, somebody found like a baby bird on camp, I remember. It fell out of a tree and we tried to save it. But mm. I just want to know, like, I expect you would know, what, what would you do to save them? So if it's a baby bird, you know, it's, it's, it's very crucial to keep it warm, to pr- perhaps get it to a rehabilitation center that can feed it properly, see what's wrong with it. Because some of the times the, the adult birds will kick the birds that aren't well out of the nest. So there might be a reason for it. So your best is to get it to a rehabilitation center as fast as possible um, to ensure, you know, that it can get the best care. Um, what is, like, your hardest part about the job? The hardest part, I think, is... is it's not succeeding at my job, you know, having bird strikes that happen with aircraft, not being able to save every bird. I think that's the hardest part. And the most rewarding? The most rewarding is um, looking at our statistics, our, our incidents of bird strikes and knowing that they're decreasing and that we've done everything possible. And the most rewarding is to get out there every morning with my working dog and to know that I'm doing something that's going to help the birds and also, you know, help aircraft in preventing bird strikes. Okay. Can you tell us a bit about what habitat management is? So habitat management is, so we do the opposite of like nature conservation because in a conservancy, you want to, you know, create an ideal habitat for those animals living there. So we do the opposite. So we make sure that environment, that the birds are not happy to be there. So your habitat management would involve the grass heights, as as I mentioned before. If a bird that is problem at that airport that time of the year prefers short grass, allow the grass to grow tall. 
But we've got the guinea fowl that like to hide in long grass. So we make sure that we cut the grass short so that the, they can be moved away from the areas where the aircraft oh, are. Oh, so they go find another place. That's it. So they are so well trained. You know, they hear us coming in the morning. And when they're in winter, in winter they're in big flocks, so big groups together because they're not breeding. Only in summer do they split off in pairs to go and breed. Then they hear us coming with the dog and the ATV, the all-terrain vehicle that we drive along with, and they already move into the safe environment. So they are so well trained, but then it changes because then you've got the young birds coming in that don't understand what we're doing. But it's, hey, then it's a, a retraining program. So we, we're schooling the birds there. Okay. Um, I just want to ask something. Uh, do you find it hard to like keep them moving all the time? Cause do they ever like stay there and just be like stubborn and like, no, I'm not moving? There are. There are some. We've got hardy dar ibises that, you know, next to the edge of, edges of the runway, there's a lot of, um, water. Run off, so it's a green grass there, and they become stubborn. So then we go out there and we we use pyrotechnics. That's a type of like a, a cracker that we use that gives a, a loud noise. We import these things from Germany, and they 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 used to they really emit a huge sound. So the birds get very scared. So if the dogs don't work, the fi- the firecrackers, you know, are a good deterrent for them. Have you ever found a time when the firecrackers haven't worked or do they always work? You know, then we get access onto the runway and the dog goes and tries to catch them. <laughs> so okay. that's the, they, they will be taught their lesson if one of our Springer Spaniels go and retrieve them. So inevitably they have to move because um, it's it's for their own safety. Okay. Uh, would you agree in saying that if we didn't have aircrafts at all, uh, it wouldn't affect our environment so much. I mean, I often wonder, like, why we we just think that we can just, you know, the, the creatures that live here, why we're just better than them and above them. So, you know, that's, you know, a lot of people, their their perception or, or their thing is, you know, we've got aircraft, we, we're going to generate money, we are going to have an industry of that. Um, they would then, you know, say, kill, cull every single bird species on that, then we'll be fine. But the airports company of Southern Africa realize we have to work with the environment. And that's why they've employed, employed all of us to, to work with the environment and create a habitat that is good for the birds that we can manage accordingly to prevent the strike. So we don't go and shoot everything. There are specific birds that get trained to do certain things there, and they, they're happy and they are kept in that environment. Yeah, that's what I always don't like, though. Like, you just see how people just think that they're better and they can, like, just go kill everything, and I no. don't. But you know what? If, if that's the, the perception of people, you can't, you can't clear a whole environment. Say, for instance, you go and take out one species of bird. You're going to get another one coming in. And what happens if that other one is worse to control and a bigger threat than the ones you've, you've just eliminated? So we don't have that perception at the, the airport. We work with animals to save animals, to promote an industry where people need to use it. Okay, and what sort of other conservations, have you ever worked with other conservations besides from this? I did a lot of animal welfare work, so I was involved in the rights of animals and that. So, yes, I have a very keen passion that animals' rights are very important. Okay, and uh, what is your favorite thing about your job? I think my favorite thing is to go out there with my working dog and then to control this dog to control the birds. And to know that when I'm finished my patrol on that route, I know that that area is safe, that that bird that may have been 
perched on the runway is now in a safer area and isn't going to get struck by an aircraft. So it's the reward of, of having a working dog with me every day that loves his job. I mean, we, we come in after a patrol and he's so excited within five minutes to get out there again. So it keeps me going and the environment, seeing the aircraft landing and taking off and being so close and having a dog working next to these aircraft and pilots waving at you and, and, and public waving at you through the windows of the aircraft. It makes the job worthwhile. Okay. Uh, I just want to know something. Uh, have you ever had, like, because you, bird strikes are when the birds collide with the airplanes, correct? That's it, yes. So then, have you ever had, like, a different one where maybe a bird, like, actually gets stuck in the engine? We, we do. We have. So I'm on, even on Sunday, there was a Mango aircraft. It also hit News 24 Travelers News and that. That, um, with the airport, aircraft departed out of OR Tambo and within 14 minutes, um, in the air, and that was about 11,000 foot above sea level. So it was way off our airport. A bird got, um, ingested into the engine. So. And did the plane go down? No, 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 no. Planes are, are, are built to withstand bird strikes. But of course, because there was damage to the engine, you know, they, it's precaution. So they decide to rather return and make sure, you know, everything's safe than carry on. So aircraft, are built to withstand burst strikes. So, like, but I'm just saying, like, when they get into the engine, doesn't yes. it like affect the engine, like, almost break it? So, so if remember, aircraft have more than one engine. So, if one engine gets, um, you know, if a bird strikes one engine and damages it, it still can run on one engine. Okay. It's like even the Hudson River is an incident where um, the geese went into the engines and the plane couldn't carry on. It landed in the Hudson River. So, you know, that was a phenomenal event, and that doesn't happen very often in history. Okay, I just want to ask, uh, do you... Is, do you think it's important to keep, like, do you keep, like, a tab of what sort of bird strikes happen? Yes. And why is that important? So we, we not like to know what's going on in the environment. So every month we'll, we'll see what birds were struck. Why were they struck? You know, say, for instance, you have a, a period where all these hardy dars... Uh, Ibises that like short grass were struck Then you analyze why were they struck What can we do to prevent them Either allow the grass in specific areas Where there might be standing water to grow And so it's important to understand what's happening So that you can predict future trends And then you can also try and, and reduce the risk of it Okay, I just want to backtrack a little bit I should have no asked this earlier That's fine uh, So you told us about habitat management mm -hmm. When else is this studied? Besides from birds, strikes, where else would you use it? So habitat management. So um, anything where, where birds can be be problematic, um, you know, or Only animals birds. can be. No, also animals, you know. So, for instance, you know, um, a species is over-utilizing over or using too much of a resource in a game reserve. You know, like the Kruger Park having um, artificial or man-made water holes. You know, how that affects the roots of the 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 animals in that. That's, you know, a tool that must be analyzed and studied so that you don't prevent overbreeding of animals and them destroying their habitats. So it's human inter interventions, humans' activities that need to be monitored because that that alters the natural environment. So Okay, so human intervention, I agree with you, should happen. But do you think it should happen to the extent where, like, say there's an overbreeding of, like, elephants where they just cull them? So um, you've got to look at it uh, like the whole picture. So say, for instance, I'm not an expert in this field, but because having studied nature conservation, I can understand the problems related to it. So if you have one species that, that gets too big in numbers and maybe, you know, eats all the grass or eats all the trees and you have all the other species dying out, 
you know, there's going to be a problem. But normally nature controls itself, and then a disease may come into a population to control the numbers and that. But um, it's because we, we don't have natural environments, because we have fences around areas, and because we have fences around game reserves, it needs to be managed. Your habitat management, your animal population needs management because they don't have, they can't go and, and use their migratory paths and walk all over the African continent because it's just restricted, unfortunately. Right, but then, uh, okay, so habitat management has to happen. But yes. then don't you think there's other ways besides them culling? Like couldn't they transport them? Absolutely, yeah. Place? I know they could tro- relocate them to areas where, where they Do need them. Yes, I know that they've taken down fences in certain reserves to facilitate their movements. So I think, you know, that they need to look at the, the livelihood of that species. So they need to make sure that species is going to survive. And if they don't have food and water left anymore, they're not going to survive. So that's important to make sure that that species survives. Okay, so besides being able to reduce the number of bird strikes, are there any other benefits of the program that you work for? So the benefits is um, we get great publicity in it. The dogs running around and that. I've also gone to schools and done talks for schools and rotary clubs and everything like that. And they're amazed that, you know, being um, a, a, a corporate company, we still care about the environment. So I think that's a great plus to have that you've got people that are employed there that don't just go out and chase birds and not understand, but we love our animals. We love the environment and we want to make sure everything's successful. What is a potential predator of birds? Okay, so a potential predator, a, a natural predator, say for instance of, of birds, would be your jackals, your your raptor species coming in for the the smaller bird species. So that's their natural. But the a potential predator is like a working dog. So the birds don't don't know that this dog isn't going to run and eat them, you know, and catch them and kill them. So the dog is a potential predator. So it's not really a, a true predator. It's just something that's pretending to be one, which has the same effect to move those birds away. Okay. Um, do you, are there other organizations similar to this around the world? So um, I recently, um, I had the opportunity to go to Canada um, at the beginning of this year for the Bird Strike Symposium. And there's a lot of airports around the world that have programs in place to know that, you know, we've got to prevent bird strikes with aircraft. And I was able to meet biologists and people that are, are doing different methods, like using falcons to control birds on, on the airport or using, um, you know, remote aircraft or to, to, to scare birds. And there's so many different tools available you know, to monitor and, and reduce birds at airports. So would you look, are you guys looking into getting new tools? So we always have to look. The birds are very clever, so they get so used to everything we use. So we're always looking at, at developing new things. I'm, I'm looking at maybe a use of a drone on the airfield to chase birds. We've done so many different things. You know, we've, we've had a, an a, in Durban, what we did, we had an aircraft, a model aircraft coming in to try and harass the, ble- the yellow bull kites down there. And what happened was that the yellow bull kites were attacking this aircraft. <laughs> so instead of the aircraft chasing them, they were chasing the aircraft. <laughs> so we've, we try, we've got little remote control cars that we've used to chase birds that are close to the runway edge to try and move them. But that sounds safely. like so much fun. It is. My husband always says to me, you've got the best job. You get so many cool tools to play with. Yeah, daily. you get to play with drones and remote control cars. I want exactly, this job. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> you've got to outsmart the birds, but these birds are definitely smart. But the thing is that they will never get used to is that there's a dog coming to chase them.
Okay, because that's their natural instinct. Yeah, their and natural that, instinct. That you can't take away. Exactly. They fear for their lives because their dog can harm them and kill them, so they're going to move. Okay. Uh, I just want to know one more thing, okay, okay before we let you go. Um, so do you think there's ever going to be a stage where the birds have outsmarted you completely? There's, there's like nothing more that you can do. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a science. So we have to try and keep above them. But the birds, um, you know, they get used to distress calls that we sometimes use. They get used to the vehicles. But as I mentioned, they'll never get used to the dog. And the dog is something that will always move them. So even if some of our airports don't use working dogs because they, there's not enough birds for them to chase, we can always take our working dogs and work on those airports and, you know, scare the birds so they will never ever be able to outsmart our working dogs okay thank you for coming in that was really interesting thank you and i just oh one sorry uh, are the working dogs like your actual pets or do they just stay at the airport? So uh, our working dogs, they get trained by s- s- trainers. And then when they're ready to come on board and work with us, we spend time with them and we have a handover. Then they are dedicated working dogs. So I have Scott. He's a Border Collie. And I've had Beady before, which was my first working dog, which was a Border Collie. And at a stage when they can't, can't work anymore at the airport, they get retired with us in our environment. So Beady came home with me and then he taught all my dogs on my plot to chase birds so they have that natural instinct in them where they train everyone but the dogs have a great great life they get retired with their handlers and they're enthusiastic well thank you so much for coming in thank you it, it really this was really interesting I'm so glad. thank you thank you thank you and i think let's have a song that song was sugar 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 from the bugs love no, B-Movie. Sorry, I'm just really tired. Sorry about that, everybody. My name is Jacob Gordon, and this is The Car Kids Show. And now I th- just want to remind you all that the riddle today was, I am made for one, but meant for two. I can be one for many years, but usually just a few. You won't ever need me unless you say you do. What am I? If you know the answer, then you can send me an SMS on 34519 or WhatsApp me on 0618951019. And we'll be wrapping it up right after this. This is the Car Kids, for kids, by kids. My name is Jacob Gordon and I'm 12 years old. It's time to wrap up the riddle. I'm made for one, but meant for two. I can be worn for many years, but usually just a few. You won't ever need me unless you say you do. What am I? And lots of answers have come through for the Car Kids riddle. Thank you for playing, everyone. Let's have a drum roll. The winner is... Shapiro with the correct answer of a wedding ring. Mia Shapiro. Right? You will win a beautiful creatures book. Mandy will call you after the car kids show today. This has been the car kids, four kids, bar kids. My name is Jacob Gordon. I'm 12 years old. Join us on Monday for another car kids show, only on 101.9 High FM. Thank you to Mandy, my producer, and DJ Flo for pressing all the big red buttons. Thank you for Mandy, other Mandy coming in today and everyone who's taken part during the show good Shabbos and goodbye everyone